Going to just uh, spend some time looking at the book of Hebrews, um, finishing our series. Um, if you've got a Bible, it's good to have it open. Um, it's the book of Hebrews, um, which is towards the end of the New Testament. Um, if you hit Revelation, you've gone too far. In fact, you've gone right to the end. No? All right. That was funny in my head, at least. <clears throat> end of the world, Revelation. Never mind. Okay, good. Let's pray. I've got another joke that's much funnier than that coming up. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that we can just uh, come here, Lord, in, in safety. Uh, and Lord, forgive us that actually often we take that safety and that security for granted. We can find ourselves thinking all sorts of things during a service like this, when Lord, we should be just filled with gratitude that we can just come and worship you without any fear for our lives. And we pray for that little girl, Lord, and hundreds and thousands and thousands like her across our world, Father, who are imprisoned or in fear for their lives because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for her perseverance and Lord her determination to not renounce her faith just for earthly freedom. Lord it's hard to get our heads around that in a place so secure as Sorbridgeworth or the southeast of England Lord yeah uh, we just pray for her but Lord we pray that whether her journey ends uh, Lord quickly or a long time on this earth we pray that you'd remind her of her, of her heavenly home and that Lord you would be near her and be her strength. And Lord, just bless us now as we look at your book, Lord, this letter to the Hebrew Christians, that Father God, we won't just be people who think, we're people that do, and that you would make us a little bit like our sister in Nigeria. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, before I start, I must just say one very um, important thing. Um, as a church, and we are, have been considering uh, amongst the membership um, about what our church might be like in a few years' time in terms of its facilities and its building, buildings. And, uh, and what we're doing for the next couple of weeks is we're asking people um, if the church was to change in terms of its physical side, if you had uh, different sorts of facilities, if things could be redone, uh, what would you sort of wish could be in it if we were to have something a bit different? Um, we're right at the very beginning of a process that may go nowhere, that may go somewhere wonderful, um, but the most important thing we're doing is we're asking people to give their opinion as to what, if anything, our church could have and look and differently to what it does now. So when you go into the hall for the next two weeks, there's a table and there's some headings, and we're going to ask you to write down um, whether you're a member or not, whether you're visiting or not, what you feel this church should have in it in terms of facilities uh, to enable it to better share the gospel and love the lost and to help people who are struggling. So for the next two weeks, during coffee, wander over to the table and write something down. No idea is rubbish, by the way. Uh, if you get the pen out and the person next to you is tutting, just push them away gently. Some Jesus loves them, but push them over there because we want to hear what everybody thinks. Uh, and then the church will just pray over those and try and sift those into a bit of uh, a priority list and we'll go from there. Anyway. Um, let me tell you a joke about Descartes. Um, or as I was going to call him, Descartes, but that's not right, is it? As a joke, I do know his real name. Um, like Steve Descartes, isn't it? Anyway, uh, Descartes, the famous philosopher, who's famously said, I think, therefore I am, was at a cafe one day, just for a bit of rest, and then after a short time, a waiter came over to him and asked him if he'd like a drink. And Descartes replied, I think not, and promptly disappeared. I'm not making any comments about those that didn't laugh. Anyway, I only told you that joke so that you realise I was far more highbrow than I sometimes come across. I am much more of a thinker and an intellectual chap than you. It's not all about football from the front, you know. Sometimes it's jokes about philosophers. Anyway, 
That joke is not related to the sermon whatsoever. Anyway, uh, except it introduces a word, a word made famous by Descartes, uh, but actually a word that we find right across the book of Hebrews. Um, if this is your first time, you're coming on uh, number four of our series of sermons on the Hebrews. So there's a lot that's been said that I'm sorry that if you've not heard, you just have to sort of nod politely at different points perhaps. Uh, and I do that quite regularly. Anyway, so this word therefore is right across the book of Hebrews and, and it's used in this book of Hebrews over and over and over as the writer of the Hebrews, letter to the Hebrews, teaches them about God, teaches them about the superiority of Jesus Christ. As he does that, he then uses this word therefore to take what is taught and turn it into a challenge. He seeks across this book to explain all the truths he said about God and about Jesus, uh, God the Father, about Jesus Christ. And he seeks to say, if that's true, then therefore, this is how you've got to live. This is what you've got to do next. And as he makes these amazing points about Jesus that we've been looking at for the last three weeks, he will often follow a section with that word, therefore. Basically, what he's doing as he writes to these Hebrew Christians is saying, if this is true of Jesus, if Jesus is this, therefore, you should be that, or you should do that, you should live like that, or think that, or act like that. If Jesus is this, therefore, you must be that. And this aspect of the letter that we're going to look at this morning, I believe, is as important as the message that he's been giving from the first chapter right the way through chapter 13. Because actually he's not just teaching these Hebrew Christians who are shrinking back due to opposition. He's teaching them and applying what he actually is teaching them as well. You see, application of a truth is as important as a truth itself. There are two kinds of faith, aren't there? There's the faith that stays at the level of understanding. I know what I believe. I understand what I believe. I believe what I believe. But it doesn't go anywhere else. It doesn't become action. It doesn't impact your life. You believe it wholeheartedly, but it doesn't get into your whole heart. It changes nothing and it changes no one. How many Christians do you know who will say, oh yeah, I believe that 100%. They've got their doctrine all correct, which is good, but they're no different to anybody else you pass in the street. But then there's another kind of faith that starts at a level of understanding and then moves to the heart and then is lived out in everyday life. Faith that says, wow, this is amazing and I'm going to live like it's the most amazing thing on planet earth. Because it is. If Jesus is God's only son who died for your sins so you can live forever, that's the most amazing thing on planet earth in case you weren't sure. One faith is bland and ineffective. The other version is dynamic and world-changing. I don't know what you feel about the charismatic renewal movement in the 60s and and afterwards, but uh, John Wimber, when he became a Christian, who was a a big figure in that change, uh, when he first became a Christian, apparently the first thing he said after accepting Jesus Christ as his Lord and Saviour was, right, when does the stuff start happening? And it's such a non-Christian-y phrase. We don't speak that, do we? We're far too secure, sensible. But I love it. Because he'd read the Bible, he'd read about Jesus, he'd seen Jesus and his disciples in the pages of the New Testament doing miracles, he'd heard about church history, and he's like, well, I've become a Christian. When does it all start? When do I get to live it out and do amazing things? You see, believing is only half the journey. Living it out is the destination. 
So what have we been saying so far over the last three weeks with the book of Hebrews, a letter to the Hebrew Christians? Right back in week one, I'm sure you remember, um, the most amazing things were said about Jesus in chapter one, that he's the son of God, that he's the heir of all things. Everything is his, his inheritance. He's the origin of creation. He's the method by which the world was created. He's the goal of everything in chapter one. He's the radiance of God's glory, we read. He's a defeater of sin, equal with the Father. We read some truly amazing things in that first chapter, but as this letter has unfolded, as we begin to peek in, because that's all we've had time to do, the writer of Hebrews has said so much more. He's told us how this Jesus, who is God's son, became like us. He took on flesh and blood and bone like us. He became like his brothers and sisters. He died for us. He went into the grave. He defeated death so that we can live forever. He tasted death for us, Hebrews says, to make us right with God. Then we have those wonderful images of entering the throne room of God through the blood of Christ, through, the, through faith in Jesus Christ. He's the mediator of the new and better covenant so that we can know God. And to these Christians, these Jewish Christians who have become followers of Jesus, who are shrinking back, the message across this whole letter has been simply, don't. Don't shrink back to Judaism. What you have in Christ is better than the law you once followed. But he's not just challenging them to not go backwards. He's calling them to move forwards in Christ. And I wonder if some of us, even in this room this morning, or maybe you're listening at some point later, or maybe even years to come, you might see this talk and think, I'll click on that. And if my voice doesn't put you off, you may listen past the first joke. Maybe some of us listening at some point Perhaps it's time for us to get off the fence. Maybe it's time for us to not be content with not going backwards, but to not be content with staying still and be wanting to go forwards, to be finding out what it is to follow Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, in a fresh, dynamic, exciting way. When does the stuff start? I want to experience all the things that God's people do. I want to get involved with what Jesus is doing and be right alongside him. And so across this letter, the writer of Hebrews peppers it with this word, therefore. And somebody once said um, of this word, therefore, in the Bible, they wrote, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you have to see what it's there for. Yeah, sorry. I didn't make that up, though. I didn't make the Descartes joke up either, frankly, but there we are. So what I've done is I've taken all the therefores, um, at least in English, um, I think in Greek there are probably some more, and, and I've just put them into four categories, four types of kind of, if this is true, then do this. If this is true, then this. So four thises, if you like, four therefores, four categories. And the first one is warning. So in chapter two, verses um, one to the beginning of verse three, the writer of Hebrews says, we must pay cl- most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? You see, the Jews believed that when God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, they believed that the sort of, it was given to Moses via angels. Angels sort of passed it over. They were sort of the messenger, if you like, in between. And so when the writer of Hebrews speaks of the message being given by angels, he's talking about that moment in Sinai when the law of God came down. And the writer says, well, if God's people were punished when they broke that law given by angels, 
Surely you can't start ignoring a superior revelation that came through God's only son. Surely you can't, who is higher than the angels. The message is clear, if God is God, and he sent his son to save and speak to us, how can we possibly think it's okay and not slightly scary to ignore him? In fact, to ignore him and resist him would mean from chapter four that we miss out on that promised rest that he promised so clearly. And so the writer of Hebrews says, if this is all true, therefore, pay close attention. And we don't like warnings. We don't like verses like this from the Bible. We want the Andrex puppy as our God, the one that just bounds over, happy for any attention we give him. Unfortunately, the King of Kings is the King of Kings. And although he loves you unconditionally, he wants all of you, make no mistake. And the warning is, pay careful attention. And so we mustn't ignore him or intentionally resist him. Because if it's all true, which it is, we must be careful and treat the King of Kings with the reverence that he deserves. Years ago, I knew a Christian, well, I've known many Christians since, but, um, and he liked a laugh. I like jokes, as you know, as you're well aware, but after 10 years, I like nothing more than to be a bit silly and to have a few jokes. But the one thing I don't joke about is Jesus Christ. I don't joke about God or the Holy Spirit. I might make jokes about church because, you know, there's a lot of material. But <laughs> never will I take the mickey out of my God because he's a consuming fire, chapter 12. And although he's gracious and good, why would I want to resist and be horrible to the one who is king of kings and lord of lords? But this guy, I remember being with him at a Christian camp, and he was just there to help. He wasn't a part of the church. And he made so many jokes about God. And I just thought, what are you doing? What are you doing, the king of kings? I remember in my, early in my Christian walk, I remember having that deep sense of the majesty of God. I understood that he loved me unconditionally. I understood that he'd sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sin, that if I believed in him, I could live forever. But I also knew he was perfect. I also knew he was holy. And I also knew I shouldn't treat him with contempt. And I believe that was a good foundation for my faith, that God loves me, but God is also a holy, perfect God of everything. So the first, therefore, is about warning to pay close attention. The second category of warnings are about perseverance. And there's a few verses I'm just going to whiz through. And you can hear the word therefore in all of them. In chapter 3, verse 1, he writes, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. And in chapter 4, verse 14 to 15, it says again, therefore, since we, are, we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And then chapter 12, verse 1 starts... You got the first word. <laughs> All right, let me read it. Um, <laughs> I should have, you should have said earlier there'd be a test. Let uh, me pay attention. Anyway, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And then chapter 12 again, verse 12, very bluntly, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. So there's no kind of glossing over that there. But... He writes to these Christians who are shrinking back. They're shrinking back because it's all getting a bit tough. And if Jesus is our great high priest who's defeated death and who's been made like us and who is now in heaven seated at the right hand of God the Father, equal to God the Father because he's God the Son. If he defeated death and is forever our everlasting great high priest, if he's at that right hand of God, if we have this access, unfettered access to God, surely we ought to be the people on earth who are not frightened of our own shadow. We ought to be the people on the earth who never give up. We ought to be the people on this planet who are always strong, always courageous, are always bold, who stand firm for what they believe, even in the face of death and shame and people unfriending us on things like Facebook. Surely we ought to be the people that take godly risks if our God is God. We ought to be the people that don't give up when times are tough. I once heard of a missionary who was held at gunpoint and asked for his final words. And he stared down the barrel of the gun and he said, if you kill me now, I'm going to heaven. But if you die today, where are you going? And then the story goes that the guy was so convicted by that boldness that he put his gun down and they spoke and perhaps I think he became a Christian. I wonder this morning, are you bold? Are you frightened? Are you ready to chuck it all in because it's tough and it's hard and there's no one else following along with you? Are you hit the spiritual wall and you're wondering if it's worth really continuing on with your faith? 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, Paul writes, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner, Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel Today I wonder if you have hit that spiritual wall where you're thinking this is just too tough. Well, let me encourage you to smash your way through it. I've done it, I've been there. You have all these doubts and questions and you think it's easier to give it up. But it will do you in forever, I promise you. Think of that Nigerian girl right now in a camp on her own, refusing to do anything other than persevere in her faith. If she knows her saviour, we can know our saviour and be just as bold. Don't give up, don't give up. The third therefore, the third category of therefores in this book is about attitude. In chapter 10, uh, verses 19 to 25, he says this, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart 
and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And then chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. You see, since Jesus has come and died to make access to God by his blood, by his sacrifice, we ought to have the right attitude. Since God has gone to such lengths to rescue us, our characters need to be worthy of the inheritance that Jesus died to give us and our God's love. Let me ask you this morning, have you got an attitude of gratitude or grumpiness? This is when things get personal. Are you a Christian of joy? Those nine fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, are they growing in you? Are they growing in me? Do you pray about those things? Do you pray for kindness if you haven't got it? Have you got the humility to say, I haven't got that, I'm a bit grumpy. I'm going to pray for kindness. I'm going to pray for self-control. Do you ask God to grow those things by his Holy Spirit? Or are we fighting to remain just like we were since before we were Christians. A woman that I know years ago, by the way, whenever I mention someone I know, it's never anybody here, just in case you're sitting there thinking, <laughs> I'm sure that was me. Anyway, um, a woman I knew in my church I went to years and years ago, there we are, that's good. Um, she was excellent at telling people about Jesus. She was the best one in the church. She would go out and she would talk to people and she would have them around her flat. One woman got on her knees and became a Christian in her front room. The rest of us sat back and thought, man, I'm rubbish at this compared to you. Anyway, she brought more people to church than anybody else. However, there was something wrong. There was a little bit of jealousy in her heart. There was a, certainly some anger. There was definitely some bitterness. And once those people were in, she completely ignored them totally blanked them and didn't actually treat some of them all that great and guess what happened they all left her attitude was completely wrong i've heard of christians who gossip i've heard sometimes christians can backbite i've heard of christians who can be passive aggressive or aggressive aggressive i've heard of christians that can smile on the outside and seethe inwardly i've heard of christians who will lose their temper anywhere and with anyone and don't care who sees it I've known Christians who are unreasonable and who are careless with their words. But if Christ is all that we've said over these last three weeks, if this is all real, then none of us can behave like that. None of us. Ever. I was reading this morning John chapter 18 where Jesus is arrested at the Garden of Gethsemane. And Peter, as the temple servant, comes over to get Jesus, whips out his sword and chops off a bit of his ear. And what does Jesus say? Put your sword away. Put it away. Because actually, sometimes the sharpness of our character needs to be blunted. Because they're ungodly in the sight of a God who had made it possible for us to know him as Father. William Wilberforce um, was obsessed with two things, apparently. The first, obviously, was the abolition of the slave trade in this country. But do you know what the second one was? The reformation of his character. The fourth thing is about growth. 
In chapter 6, just one verse, one verse, the writer says this, Therefore, let us move beyond elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites and laying on of hands, a resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. He says to them, it's time to grow up. It's time to stop being a baby and just going for the simple stuff. It's time to go deeper in your faith, deeper in your understanding, because you've been allowed to go deeper into God. Shouldn't that be our life's mission, to grow in the things of God as often as we can? Because we are allowed in the throne room of heaven. And so the message of this book is don't go back to the Old Testament law because Jesus is better But then it's because Jesus is better, don't stand still, move forward. And so this morning as we finish, what therefore is for you or I in this place? What therefore is needed for your life or my life? This morning, do you need to hear a warning from God? Do you need to hear that challenge? Do you need to have God say, stop doing that? Remembering that discipline from God is a loving act. God disciplines those he loves, it says in Hebrews. Maybe you need to begin listening to that voice that has been saying for a long time, stop it, enough is enough. And take that on the chin and change that bit of your character. Maybe it's that therefore that refers to persevering. Maybe this morning you've been a Christian for a bit or a long time and you're thinking of giving it all up. You're thinking this is too hard, none of my friends believe. It's too difficult to be a Christian. I wanna do all the stuff they do, they have more fun. But it's hard work and it's just tough. Now maybe you've got a family member that's not a Christian, it's hard to go home and be the only Christian. Well, maybe God is saying to you, don't, just keep going. And I encourage you to go back to the cross of Christ, go back to where it all started for you. When you first understood Jesus gave his life, stay at the cross until it impacts you in a fresh way. Know that you can see God face to face and live forever because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And if there is something that is bothering you, a doubt or a question, please ask me. Ask anyone. But my entire job is about this. And if there's a doubt you've got or a question from the Bible, just email me or we'll have coffee. I don't know everything, but I guarantee most things you might want to ask, I've come up against or thought through. And if I haven't, I can tell you someone that has. Don't question in silence. Or maybe that therefore is about your attitude this morning. Do you need to change the way you respond to people and situations? And then maybe it's that challenge about depth. Is this morning the day you pick up this book and take it seriously? And so God calls his people to be bold in Hebrews, to stand and not compromise, to not opt for the easy life when things get tough, to know their faith and grow in their faith. And so as we finish the book of Hebrews, it's a lot to get through but that Jesus that you read about so beautifully in those pages is your Jesus and he is my Jesus and the faith that the writer says is theirs is ours we are allowed to walk into the presence of God the Father we're allowed to call him Abba Father so don't give up when it gets tough don't stand still because it's too hard to go forward Let's just do it seriously and take risks and make steps forward because it's the best life when you follow Jesus Christ. There is nothing like it. Let's pray. 
Lord God, Lord, we just give up, uh, give these thoughts to you, Lord. We give them all up to you. Lord, four weeks we've um, tried to look through this book, this letter, uh, and Lord, I know there's so much that's not been said. And Lord, even some famous chapters we've not really had a chance to stop and look at. Lord, they perhaps would have been a distraction from everything else. And so, Father God, we pray that you would continue to open up your word to each one of us. But Lord, may we just hear that message. Don't go back. Just go forward. And I thank you, Lord, that you sent your son to every single one of us, the least to the greatest in human eyes, can know real life and real hope and know you as our King and our Saviour, our Lord and our God. And we just commit this to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.